Good afternoon, everybody. How are y'all doing today? Great, awesome. Some of you are still thawing from outside. It's cold outside, a little windy. It's like winter came a little bit early. But, you know, it is, it is good to worship God no matter what the weather's like outside. There could always be sunshine in our hearts while we're praising our God. Do you all have your handouts today? Okay, if you need a handout or an envelope for your giving, just throw your hand up in the air, and we're going to help you with that. Okay. As you prepare your offerings, um, we, we take that up at the end of our service. Um, can we get some handouts over here on this side? We need handouts over here and envelopes. If you need an envelope for your giving, please put your hand up in the air, and we'll help you with that. We have a special offering, um, a special offering today. Um, if you would like to allocate any of your giving, forgot to run this by Uncle Manny before. If you want to allocate any of your giving to help somebody that is in terrible need, we need a handout over here. If you would like to help somebody that's in terrible need and it's an immediate need, um, we have somebody that's been helping. Um, She's come here to help watch her grandchildren. And um, while she was here, she, she's having a brain hemorrhage. And um, she's been put to the hospital. She's at Scarborough General right now, I believe. And um, she's, she's a friend of, of, our, of Faye here, okay, uh, Faye Aravio. And she brought this to our attention last night. And we're asking for your prayers as well. But this family, um, they're going to be needing some support in helping with some of the medical needs um, to help cover some of the, the hospital bills. Um, you, know, you know how it is when you don't have health insurance and you come here. And she came here to help this family and now the family is, is struggling to help um, meet the needs. Um, hopefully Faye could give us a report later on today. Okay, and, and Faye will, if you would like to give a portion of your offering, you could indicate on your envelope how much you'd like to allocate toward that, toward that cause. Okay. All you have to write is special giving, okay, and the amount beside it. Um, or if you'd like to give your full amount, you could do that too. Or if you want to continue to support the ministry in other ways as well, feel free to allocate your funds whichever way you like on your envelope. Okay. Is that cool, Uncle Manny? <laughs> Our study today is entitled, Here. How many of you are here today? It's like attendance. Show, show of hands. If you're here today, put your hand up. Present. All right. Here, present. All right. You're, you might physically be here, but your mind might be somewhere else, okay? But um, it's possible that you could be here, but be thinking about something else. Today we want to focus in and we gather together in Jesus' name, united in his name, to seek God, okay, with that common purpose, to seek God together. And we do this by reading through his word, okay? And as we go through his word, this little paper here is our guide for today, okay? When we seek him through his word, we're not just looking for answers to our life, okay? We're actually wanting to just know God for who he is and what's on his heart, and what matters to him. If you've never read the Bible before, friends, i got to tell you, it is the best-selling book in the history of the world, 
okay, you want to go out and get one if you don't have one yet, okay, or at least download the app on your phone. But there's something cool about reading through the Bible when you're holding it in your hands, okay? I admit, sometimes I look up a Bible verse and I just whip out my phone and I type in the text and the text magically appears to me. But when you're actually flipping through God's word and you're taking the time to sit down and you're taking the time to spend time with God and you open up your mind and you have to actually read through the passages, it's like you're receiving that message from God and you're intentionally spending the time with God that way. Have you ever gotten a letter from a friend you haven't heard from in a long time? Yeah? You take that letter, snail mail is the best. It's better than email. Because you go to the mailbox and you pick out a letter and you said, oh, my friend sent me a letter. Nobody sends letters anymore. But it's so special. It has a stamp. It has your name on it. And you know it's specifically addressed to you. And it's not getting mixed in with all this junk mail. And this letter, you want to sit there and you want to spend time with this letter from your old friend. And as you're sitting down, you're reading through that letter. And you want to actually hear what your friend has to say to you. Because their message to you matters. It was addressed specifically to you. So when you sit down, I'm sure, I'm sure that a part of you is giving undivided attention to that specially written letter because there is a message for you. Friends, God's word, his Bible, it's a message for all of us. Okay, he had you in mind when he said, you know what, I have all this on my heart. I want to share it with somebody. And believe me, friends, he created you to share his, his love with you. So when you read through the Bible, look at it as a letter from a dear friend with a very special message for you. And as you're reading through this long, long letter, take time with it and read it over and over again. Keep it close by because it's yours, meant for you, okay? And get to know God as you seek him through his word. I know I hear many people say every now and then, who is God? Where is God? I want to know him, but they won't spend time opening his Bible, going through his word. They just want other people to tell them, tell me about your God. And if I agree with you, then I'll join you, right? Um, they're not actually seeking anything. Of, they're not seeking God themselves. They're seeking to see if there's a God that they could relate to, a God that they feel comfortable with, a God that won't make them change their life. And, you know, don't rely on what other people have to say. Nobody could have your relationship with God for you. I repeat that. Nobody else can have your relationship with God for you. Okay? You each have to experience God for yourself. Okay? Our first section is called Seeing Through Closed Eyes. Seeing Through Closed Eyes. Just a short little exercise we're going to do right now. Everybody, just for a few seconds, close your eyes. And wherever you are, just tell me what you see. Anybody, what do you see? Darkness? When your eyes are closed, what are you seeing? Okay, you don't see anything, but you hear my voice, right? You know I'm here because I'm speaking, right? Okay, open your eyes. It's hard to see through closed eyes. It's hard to know what's really there. For all, I, for all you know, I could have pre-recorded this message, closed your eyes, and just played that for you. You'd have no idea 
if I was standing here or not when your eyes are closed. Let's look at a Jeremiah 29, verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Are you seeking God with all your heart? Now, we've been using this verse quite a lot lately. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Okay? Do you humbly seek God with all your heart? Or do you simply seek knowledge about him with a pride-driven agenda? How do you approach getting to know God? Do you paint him with a brush, only seeing what you want to see? Sometimes I think we do this. We paint a picture of God. Oh, well, you know what? I want a God that's loving. So we say, God is loving. I want a God that won't be mad at me. Okay, God loves me. I want a God that won't hit me with a stick. But the Bible says the Lord disciplines those he loves. Right? I want a God that's going to save me from hard times. But the Bible says you will go through hard times, but I will be with you. Okay? But some of us have trouble with that. Wait, I will go through hard times, but God will be with me. But when you're going through a hard time, it's like you're looking through closed eyes and you're trying to seek God somewhere with closed eyes. You're so focused on your problems that you can't see God. All right? Sometimes we're just so worried about our own issues. That's like closing your eyes and expecting to see God right in front of you. Okay? But spiritually, that's closing your heart to God and not allowing God into your heart or into your life. So what are you seeking God with? All your fear, all your worry, all your doubt and all your questions, but you're not seeking him for who he is. Okay? That's like trying to see through closed eyes. How do you approach getting to know God? If we try to fill our life just with knowledge about God, remember, knowledge puffs up. All right? Knowledge puffs us up sometimes. And the more knowledge we have, the more we think we know God, but that's pride that's being fed, not the humility that God calls for, you see. Okay. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. So who's the temple? Us. Together. We are God's temple. Us together. Now, I've heard many times this passage being taken out of context. They only look at the first verse. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And everyone starts walking around with this idea, hey, I'm God's temple. So I need to take good care of my body because God lives in me, as though God could be contained in one person, okay? This individualistic approach that, to life that we're looking at, we make it all about ourselves still. How could we be all about God and about what he wants when we're so focused on ourselves? Pride is still in the way, isn't it? Humility hasn't come yet. We, together, are the temple of God, and God dwells in the midst of the believers. Okay? 
it is important that we guard against an individualistic view that each specific person is a temple of God. Matthew 18.20 is sometimes also quoted out of context by many well-meaning Christians. It says, For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. This is true, though. You know, when, when people do gather together, yeah, Jesus is there. But how about when you're by yourself and you're praying to God? Isn't he there? He is there. So it's not only when two or three are gathered. What if there's four that gather? Oh, he's still there. Okay. This particular passage, it's used. Um, people at that time, the audience of Matthew's writing, would have understood this. Where two or three are gathered, it's found in this passage where it talks about um, conflict and sinning against one another. See, because if there's a case against you, you need witnesses. All right? You need witnesses to, to say, listen, this is what the person's done. This is what's happening. So where two or three gather together in Jesus' name to help reconcile each other to God, yes, he is there and he brings healing when there are witnesses there. Okay? But don't get stuck on the whole, people use that verse just to say, you have to go to church because by yourself, God's not there. It's like they're almost implying that. They won't say it. Like, it's good that you have a relationship with God. It's good that you're praying. But why don't you come to church anymore? All right. And then we try to use a verse, oh, where two or three are gathered, that's where he is. And then the person in their defense says, but I learned that I am the temple of God, so I don't have to go be with the church. All right. But remember, together we are the temple of God. When you remove yourself from God's temple or his body or his church, then in a way you are breaking part of God's temple, aren't you? Because a, a brick goes missing, it starts to compromise the integrity of the building, yeah? So when you're not here, friends, yeah, we, we do miss you, all right? But we don't want you living individualistically. We don't want you feeling that life is all about you and that you and God are good on your own because God commanded, you know what? I want all my children to love each other and be united as one under the headship of, God, of, of Christ. Okay? Don't stray far away. So when we wonder, where is God? Where is God? I'm all by myself. Where is God? Remember, friends, if you're alone, it's good to be around other people. God said it's not good for man to be alone. Um, go, be part of a community community of believers because it's there when we are journeying together friends when we are serving and loving one another that we could truly know God more in a very real and tangible sort of way all right have you ever tried to console yourself it's okay <laughs> come on Tim it's okay <laughs> you know and you're patting yourself as kawawa right kawawa yeah and, um, and you're, you're all, poor me, poor me, and you try to console yourself. But it's different when there's somebody else there when you're weak, and they come and they say words of encouragement. And they're speaking God's truth over your life, and they come to pick you up and remind you of the things that you've forgotten. I mean, this is how the body helps heal, right? Have you ever gotten a paper cut or any sort of cut before? And you start bleeding out, right? You know what happens there? All those cells in your body start working together. They realize something's wrong. 
part of our body has been attacked. So they all kind of rally together, and the ones that are strongest, they race there. They're the fastest ones, the white blood cells. They rush to the surface, and they start protecting the body, and they say, no, not today, Satan. You're not getting us. All right? And then it starts to heal over and push out everything that's wrong. Okay? So parts of the body come together to help bring healing where it's needed. And God will use you to help bring healing in the lives of other people that are part of this body. I mean, isn't that cool? God is here. I believe it. God is here in our midst as we love each other, as we serve one another. God is here. When you leave this place, don't feel like, oh, but God's there with the people at Praise Gathering. And when you go away, you know what? God is still with you. Even when you don't sense his presence, you have to learn to know that he truly is there. Stop trying to look for him through closed eyes. Okay, let's look at the next three passages. Psalm 27, verse 1, Ephesians 5, 13 to 14, and Luke 11, verse 34 to 35. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? But everything exposed by light becomes visible, and everything that becomes illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. So what do you see when you were sleeping with your eyes closed? Darkness? Maybe you're dreaming. All right, you ever dream? Yeah, some of you have, I have bad dreams. I do, nightmares, yeah. It's like uh, the baby's crying, but there's a wall separating us, and I can't make it stop. See, my eyes are closed, and in reality, my daughter is crying. So I could hear her, and it kind of plays into my dreams, right? But what I'm experiencing in that moment, it's not reality. My eyes are still closed. I could sense the presence of my daughter even while I'm sleeping because she's in the bed with us and she's crying. And I hear her voice, but I don't see her. So my experience in dealing with my daughter in that moment, it's not reality. I'm dealing with her in my own perception of things, in my dream world. And I start to think, oh, my daughter's on the other side of this wall. I have to get to her. I have to get to her, and I can't. Do you ever feel that way with God sometimes? It's like you hear God's voice calling you, and you want to obey. You want to go find him, and you hear his voice, but you're looking for him in this world, but it's like you're still sleeping with your eyes closed. You could sense him, kind of. You kind of know that he's here somewhere. But for some reason, your experience of him is that he's still very far away. Friends, you can still be sleeping with your eyes closed and not be aware of the reality that God indeed is walking right with you. What are you focused on when you are in the dark? What do you focus on when you're in the dark? Really, your mind tends to wander. You start to imagine things, perhaps. You don't really know what's there. Sometimes, have you ever scared yourself? 
you're in the dark and you, you actually tend to scare yourself. It's like, is there something there? Is, is there, you know, is there a mouse? Is, you know, is there a spider? You know, what was that? And sometimes in the dark, the tiniest light gives us something to focus on, right? But if all you're getting is a sliver of light, a tiny little light maybe on your alarm clock, or the little flashing light from your cell phone while it's charging. When you're in the dark, your attention goes to that light. And the more you look at the light, the more accustomed your eyes become to that light. But if you've been sitting in the dark for a while, and all of a sudden somebody comes in and switches on the light switch, oh, turn it off, it's too bright, too bright. Do you remember that movie Gremlins? Yeah, bright light, bright light. And we, we behave like them. We're so accustomed to the dark. We're not used to the light when it comes in. Sometimes we could be so accustomed to living in this darkness with looking at life with our eyes closed. But when God's truth, when his light comes to you, it could be very overwhelming. And you retreat. But the amazing thing is, when that light comes, it exposes everything that's there. All that stuff that's been surrounding you in that darkness, God's light could shine a light over your situation and you realize, I've been in the wrong place the whole time. I've been looking for God, but I'm hanging out in this dark place. There are no windows. There are no doors. Where are you today, my friends? Are you seeking God with all your heart? Or are you still hanging out in the dark places that you've grown so accustomed to? Wake up, sleeper. Wake up, sleeper. And let Christ's light shine on you. Okay? Because when that happens, friends, you wake to a glorious new awareness, a glorious new enlightenment. And when Christ's light touches you, you become illuminated. And everything that becomes illuminated becomes a light. So you're meant to go out and continue shining God's light, just as the moon reflects the light of the sun. In the dark evenings, we have the moon shining the sun's light to give us light. You could be that light reflecting God's light in a person's dark situation, friends. Only when you stop looking at life through closed eyes. Our human minds are naturally darkened with poor understanding of the reality of God. He is light that gives us a new understanding as he reveals himself to us. Are the eyes of your heart set on him? When was the last time you asked a question, where is God? All the time. All the time. Did he move? You know, it's like one day you welcome God into your life and you know you're walking with him. And then you continue on with life one day, you go, where did God go? Did he move? It's because you moved. Yeah. I just came in the first verse that you uh, read where it's saying, uh, you will seek me and you will find me if you seek God with all your heart. And just with the examples that you've been given, if you picture yourself like in a dark room and God is a light, and you're so far into that, like the room is huge, and you're so far away from him that the light seems so far away, and you're looking at him, and that's when you'll find him. But as soon as you start to think about other things, when you're not seeking with all your heart, that's what casts a shadow in front of it, and then you can't see it, right? Like your worry, 
And if you turn away from the light, then you see your own shadow there. And it's when you move those other things out of your way, the other things like when you're in, like when you're talking about earlier, when you're going through struggles and you focus on not God, but the solution of that struggle, right? Like I don't have enough money to pay rent. And you're thinking, I want to get, I need to get money. And you start thinking about the money and that money is what blocks you when all you need is God. And if you can't pay your rent and you're homeless, but you still have God, then that's more important than, but you're focused on, I want to be warm. I want to have this and that, right? But if we really just strip everything away and just focus on him, then he will provide. He will provide everything that we need. He always provides, right? And sometimes it might not come in that moment. Sometimes what what he provides, it's not the money you need to pay rent. It's um, he's providing the situation to reveal something about you and what you have to deal with, right? He puts you in a better situation when you learn your lesson, right? When we learn our lesson, it builds our character, yes. When you seek God first, everything else will be added unto you. And that's not the prosperity gospel approach. That's simply the truth of what it is. Do you believe God is provider? Do you believe that he could provide your every need? You know what? You're here today. And you might think that you have some needs. But how many of those needs, let's whittle it down, how many of those needs are actually just wants or preferences? Mm, see, the young people, we know. <laughs> We learned the lesson young. Where is God? Let's look at this next section here. A lot of people ask, where is God when I face trials and hardship? Where is God when natural disasters strike? Right? You hear that one on the news? Where is God when bad things happen to good people? Where is God when I demand answers? Oh, there's that entitlement. There's that pride. Where is God when I am seeking him? It's almost like, I called you, God, where are you? I called you, God, why didn't you pick up? You know, and, and it's as though we're approaching God all the wrong way. You know, we come with demanding hearts instead of hearts that bow before him, acknowledging him for who he is, first of all, right? When we treat ourselves like the God and demand that God serves us, you see, we're still living blind in our pride, okay? And just like Chris Lido's saying, if you wonder why you can't see him, maybe it's because you're getting in the way of God revealing himself to you. Why? Because your back is turned to the light. Instead of setting your eyes on God, you're setting your eyes to something else. And God's light is blocked out by your shadow. Because you and your attitudes keep getting in the way. Okay? Where is God? Let's go to James chapter 4, verses 4 to 8. You adulterous people, don't you know that, the friendship, that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the Spirit has caused to dwell in us. This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You ever wonder where God is? This is almost, it's not a, it's not a prescription. 
but it's almost like this very simple sort of checklist. Check these things before you start asking, where is God, right? Submit yourselves to him first. That requires a, a great deal of humility, doesn't it? When you submit to God's authority, when you come to him, acknowledging him as an authority, you can submit. Resist the devil, have nothing to do with him anymore, right? Come near to God and he will come near to you. How do we do that? It's easy to read it. Come near to God and he comes near to you. How do we do this? You know, some people think, well, you do devotionals, you go through the Bible, you go to church service, you do all the things. Is that really how it happens? It says, uh, wash your hands. Washing your hands means having nothing to do with sinful deeds. It says purify your hearts. It means to be blameless in who we actually are. Purify your hearts. How do we allow God to purify our hearts? We know we can't do it on our own. We are declared innocent because of the work of Jesus. So friends, first of all, you are innocent. One second. We are declared innocent because of the work of Jesus, right? And the sanctifying work of his spirit as he refines us through testing trials and as he prunes us so that more of his fruit would be produced in our life. It's nothing that we do. It's only the work of Jesus and his spirit in our life that we could be purified in our hearts. How could you seek God with all your heart if it is still tainted with all these other things that you're wanting? Your heart's not pure for God. Your heart is spotted. Your heart is darkened with other things. So when you want to ask, where is God? Draw near to him and he draws near to you. You seek him with all your heart. You come to him and your heart is so dirty, but he wants to do a cleansing work in your life, so he'll let you go through trials. He'll push you through things where you learn to depend on him and trust in him and rely on him and know that it's him doing the cleaning in your life. It's not you because whatever cleanup job you do, friends, it's never going to be good enough. right it's only through the blood of jesus that we could be saved right thank you for that brother at the same time um when people are, are looking for that or when they're seeking god they don't accept jesus yet if they haven't found god you know what i mean 
And, and I think that's where we are right now, where a lot of people are asking, well, where is God? And they'll come to you and ask you, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you still choose to follow Jesus? You know, why are you waiting for him to come back? Haven't you given up yet? He's taken long enough. You know, and you hear people saying these things, and they'll challenge you. Friends, when you're being challenged and people are wondering, where is God? Will your faith waver? Will you start asking the same question? Yeah, but really, where is God? I've been doing all this for him. I've laid down my life. And you think it's in your doing again and in your own strength. Well, you know what? Sometimes, friends, you think you're doing it all for God, but you're doing it in your own strength. I have news for you. You're allowing your eyes to start closing again. You're allowing the darkness to start creeping in again. Because I'm doing all this for God. Why can't I see him? Because you're doing it in your own power. You're not relying on him anymore. You're not trusting in him. You're trusting in your own efforts again. Okay? That's pride as well. We say we're doing it for God, but really we're doing it to save ourselves in some way, to glorify ourselves. Let's continue on to Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon, a fa on, upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. How many of you know this passage? Yeah? I, I'm sure many of us do. You know why? Because as Christians, we said, I'm going to try making it through the Bible. You know, and you pick up the Bible and you make it to the first verse. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm sure this, you probably know this one really well. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. But the second verse in the Bible is just so rich. It is, it is so rich. And it reveals so much more about God than, than we probably ever thought before. Okay? The earth was without form and void. There's a Hebrew word for that. Tohu wabohu. Tohu wabohu. It means wasteness and emptiness. The earth was a, it was just wasteness and emptiness. There was nothing filling it. Okay? And then it talks about darkness was upon the face of the deep. Darkness. It represents an incoherent waste of emptiness. It just doesn't make sense. What's this darkness? You, you can't, there's nothing there. What is darkness, actually? Darkness is really nothing, right? We, we define it as the absence of light. But what is that, the absence of life? It, it's, just, it's still nothing. So what is darkness? Nothingness. It's just nothing. Okay, so here the earth is, and it was wasteness and emptiness, void, and darkness is hovering over the deep, the face of the deep. And this darkness is an incoherent waste of emptiness. The Hebrew word for the deep is tehom. It means confusion and disturbance. Chaotic surging mass of shapeless matter. Okay, sometimes this, this tehom is referred to, this, the deep is referred to the dark waters of the ocean in a very poetic way. 
as we read through Scripture. And what is this deep that we talked about? Remember when Jesus would cast out the evil spirits from, from the pigs or from the people? Where did he send them? To the deep of the ocean, to the dark place where all that confusion belongs, in the deep. A chaotic, surging mass of shapeless matter. And then it tells us that the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God was moving over the waters of the earth. So in the beginning, God's there. Here's this void mass of nothingness, just confusion and chaos. But above all this chaos is God's Spirit moving over the waters. This Spirit of God translated from its original Hebrew, is also called the wind of God. Okay? The wind of God. It's not the mere instrumental force employed, but rather the divine operative energy that caused everything, all this chaos, to come together. So God's wind of God is moving above all the chaos. He wasn't moving from the chaos. He didn't come up from inside all the mess. He was above all the mess. And he moved over the waters. And you wonder, how does the spirit move? Right? You ever try to picture it in your head? Okay, so spirit of God, it's a wind. How does it move? We don't know. Here, we could see a lot of wind blowing the last couple of days and this morning. You see the effects of the wind, yes? Can't see the wind itself. But you know it's there, right? You could feel the presence of the wind as it comes pushing into you. You could experience it. You can't see it. But your eyes are open and you see the work of this wind. When the eyes of our heart are open, we could see the work of God. And we could see how it's affecting things around us. When we open our eyes of our heart to God... He could reveal himself in a powerful and mighty way, just like a rushing wind. It comes and it starts to move things, and you wonder, whoa, what is God doing? He's, he's making a mess of the chaos in my life. Because before you came to know God, friends, come on, let's be honest. Your life was a bigger mess than it is today. I mean, you might be going through some tougher stuff today. Before, life might have been really simple, but it's still, you were in a chaos in your mind and in your spirit. There was darkness. You didn't know it. There was no purpose. You didn't know what you were living for. It was just a mass void of emptiness and nothingness. Tohu wabohu. In the beginning, tohu wabohu. We're just this empty nothingness, darkness over us, lost in our confusion and all this chaos. But even at that time, when there was nothing created yes, of this world, God's Spirit was already moving over all the troubles. Friends, God is moving in your life right now. No matter what you're experiencing today, no matter what chaos you might be facing, no matter what doubt and questions you have, you can't make sense of it. You, you think you're seeking Him, but your heart is for something else. But friends, God is right here. He's here. And he's still moving. But how is he moving? In this passage, 
the word moving, it says that God moved upon the face of the waters. I can't pronounce this. Mrahafet. 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 I like to play with the words, Mrahafet. The Spirit of God, the wind of God, fluttered lovingly. He fluttered lovingly over all the face of everything that was about to come up. Remember, this is before the world had been given birth. God's Spirit was hovering before the world came to life and birth. And God's Spirit moving over all this trouble fluttered lovingly, gentle and loving energy with fostering care, called forth the latent possibilities of a nascent world. There's a passage. I don't have it here. In Deuteronomy 32, 11, you can look it up yourself. And it describes a bird that stirs up her nest and spreads her wings over her young before the eggs are born, before the birds hatch out of their eggs, there is a mother bird that is fluttering lovingly over her nest, preparing the nest before the birds come and emerge into this world. Inside those eggs, the little baby birds are waiting to burst out. They sense the presence of their mother bird they can't see it because they're still in this protective shell. But the mother bird is there, isn't she? She is lovingly watching and protecting and caring for this little bird until it's time for her to pop, for, pop out and break free and start experiencing life. Friends, you might be wondering, why haven't I known God yet? Sometimes I sense that he's here, but I can't see him. You're like a little bird, still in a shell. And God is waiting for the right moment, waiting for you, and he's nurturing you and loving you from the outside. You can't experience him fully yet because there's still that shell that you're encased in. But what he has come to do by sending his son Jesus is to help you break free from this ignorance, to break free from this darkness, to break free from the prison and the mess of chaos that you're stuck in right now, and he wants to bring you to new life. He wants to break you out and shine his light on you. And he calls you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Are you seeing this yet? And he's lovingly fluttering over your situation right now. And he's just waiting for you to answer the call. And when he says, come, you start to stretch your wings and you start to break through all those barriers between you and God. And all that he's doing is calling you out. Come on. Come on, child. I'm calling you. Come to me. The mother bird prompts that egg. Come on, little bird. Come on, my child. You can do it. You can make it. I want you to be with me, but you're still in that shell. But where is that, where is that egg while the mother bird is tending to it? It's in her nest. God loves you. And he is preparing a place for you. 
and you have yet to experience it. This place that he's preparing, it's a place where you could dwell with him. And we're not just talking about a physical place anymore, friends. We're talking about a reality sort of place. You no longer need to stay in a darkened reality. You could break free from that and answer God's call as he's been lovingly watching over you, faithfully guarding you until it's time for you to start flying yourself. When the bird pops out of its shell, it's time for it to spread its wings. And as it spreads its wings, it has an attempt to fly, right? Stretch its faith. It's like a leap of faith. And when they first jump out, it could be really scary. But they spread their wings and hope that they, they glide down safely. A lot of the time, the birds just tumble down all over the place. But it's time that they have to learn their lessons. When you tumble down in life, when life gets you down, friends, it's time to get back up again. God comes to your aid and he'll flutter and say, come on. He'll encourage you and he says, come on. And you follow his voice. Are you following God's voice? I love that. I mean, I just love that. The second verse of the Bible. It is so cool. If you're so focused on your problems and your troubles, friends, remember that God is fluttering lovingly over your current situation right now. He cares about you, and he's calling you to come toward him, to hear his voice. And he's asking you to just take that step toward him. And he says, you know what? It might be tough at first, but this is the only way you're going to learn. I have lessons I have to teach you. And you might fall, you might stumble, but you'll never stay down because I am with you. Hopefully this gives you some trust and confidence in the sort of God that we, we have. He's not going to try and save you from your situation so you could continue making all the same stupid mistakes again. You know, a good parent, a good parent doesn't try to be best friends with their kids. Right, parents? Right. Yeah, you don't have to try and be best friends with your kids. What happens when you do that? There's no authority in their life. There's nobody leading them and guiding them. Instead, they're getting into trouble, and their parents are bailing them out all the time. Don't worry. I got you covered. That teacher said, what to you? I'm going to go talk to your teacher. And, you know, and they never learn how to fight for themselves. They never learn how to stand up and be independent. They never learn... Because you are casting a shadow over your child's life if you keep trying to come in and save them from doom. If you keep coming to their aid, love them, yes. But love them enough to teach them the lessons, right? If they don't learn those lessons, I mean, if you don't give them those opportunities, you're setting them up for failure. Okay, you're setting them up for failure. Is that really the life you want to be giving your child? The Bible says the Lord disciplines those he loves. Okay? I always tell my children, I love you. That's why I have to teach you this lesson. At this young age, they understand that. I always tell them, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't care enough to discipline you. If I didn't love you, I just let you go do whatever the heck you want to do. And they get themselves in trouble. They hurt themselves. Things happen. 
Sometimes we act like little kids. What do you mean God doesn't want me to do this? I'm going to do it anyway. It's my life. And then you get in trouble. God, can you help me? (laughs) Wow. God said, listen, you got yourself into this mess. Face the consequences. I am here. I do love you, but you have to face the consequences of what you've done. Okay? I, I warned you. You didn't listen to me. You chose to do things your own way. When we act entitled and we don't let God teach us the lessons, once again, friends, that's pride. There's no humility there. Okay? It's pride again. And pride blinds us from truly seeing God. Let's look at Romans 1, verse 16 to 17, in trust and confidence. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, and a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. The power of God brings salvation and life to those who believe. If we say we believe, yet we deny God, we lie. Once again, the power of God brings salvation and life to those who believe. Who here believes? If you believe in God, say, I believe. If you believe in God, put your hand up and say, I believe. If you believe that he is enough and he has done everything and he has made a way back to him, say, I believe. Now, that's a little quieter because you're not sure, right? If you are here today and you think you've been seeking God, but for some reason God still seems so far away, and you heard the message today affirming that God is here, no matter what your situation is, God is lovingly fluttering over your situation, say, I believe. Whenever you're down in the dips, whenever you're feeling in the darkness again, friends, what we just did here today, you put your hand up and you say, I believe, okay? You put your hand up and you say, I believe. You need to declare. And when you put your hand up, you're recognizing, Lord, I'm down here in the dips, but I know you're here. I'm in this tough situation, but I know you're here. I believe. And I don't need to be afraid right now because you are with me and I know that you won't leave me, you won't forsake me, I believe. Next time you're in that situation again, friends, the bank says, you owe this much money. I believe. And you don't give in to the fear of what that situation means. Okay? When your loved one says, I don't love you anymore, Don't try to cling to your loved one in that moment. You seek God first before you try and grapple to get that person to love you again. Seek God first and love him first. And all these things will be added unto you. Okay? Don't deny God in your life, friends. Do not be ashamed of him. Okay? If you deny him, 
before others. Jesus will deny you before Father God in heaven. It says so in the Bible. I'm not making it up. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Earnestly seek him. That means sincerely. It means with all our heart. Okay, when you seek him with all your heart. That means washing your hands, you sinners, right? It means purifying your hearts, you double-minded, so that your mind would only be set on God and what he wants first. Trusting, trusting is not exactly faith, okay? We know that faith is a gift from God, yes? Faith is given to us. We can't conjure it up. We can't make it up ourselves. God prepares this gift, and that's why having faith, it's like you've received that from God. You can only receive it when you've humbled yourself before him. It means it's something you didn't have and you couldn't acquire yourself. It means somebody else had it, and you needed to receive it from somewhere else, somebody else. So it's a gift that's given to you. You can't earn it. You can't boast about your faith. But trust. Trusting is what we do because of the faith that we have been given. Trusting is believing in the promises of God in all circumstances, even in those where the evidence seems to be to the contrary. See, the believer knows that through trial, though trials will come in their life, their trust will never waver because that trust is based on faith in the promises of God, the promise of eternal joy with the Lord, and the promise of an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, and fade. Do you believe that God is faithful? Do you know that he's made Many promises in the Bible, but he has one really big promise, friends, that you could live with him, that you can know him, and that you could know his joy and his peace. You could know his love and how that changes your life. He invites you to know him, but you can't be sleeping anymore, friends. He calls you to wake up. He calls you to stop living in the dark. He calls you to open your eyes and set the eyes of your heart on him. And once you're there, friends, you don't let him go. We always pray, God, don't let me go. Don't leave me. You know what? Relationships go both ways. Abide in him and he abides in you. Right? We are the body of Christ. Together we are his temple. And he dwells in our midst, friends. Continue to be the church together. Serve each other. Love each other. Help each other in whatever way God leads you to help each other. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other. Encourage each other when you're down. Sing hymns and, and praise God together. Give thanksgiving. Don't just ask for prayer requests and forget to praise God when God met you and had that appointment with you. I mean, God has done so much. We ask him to do more for us, but he's already done it all. 
We should be praying, God, help me open my eyes and keep my eyes fixed on you. Let's look at the last few verses here. Hebrews 13, verse 5 to 6, and Romans 8, 31. The believer knows that through trials, though trials will come in this life, their trust will not waver because that trust is based on faith in the promises of God. The promise of eternal joy with the Lord and the promise of an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, and fade. Keep your lives free from the love of money, covetousness, and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Friends, God is all we need, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. We don't need to be afraid because he is our helper. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Friends, it's my prayer that you will continue to seek God. But not just seek him. Seek him with all your heart. That's my prayer. I pray, friends, that you will sense his presence and know that he indeed is here. He's not some far-off God that is disinterested in your life. He is a God that lovingly flutters over your life and is calling you to a new life with him.